Hey, this is Jan Kinchel from Cycle Zagreb. You're listening to this Cycle Podcast special with your host, Roberto Kuingro. Hello and welcome listeners to another episode of the Decisive Podcast series. I'm your host Roberto Q. Ingram and I am thrilled to bring you yet another insightful conversation with a remarkable artist shaping the landscape of electronic music. Today we will have the privilege of delving into the world of Jan Kinchel, a Croatian DJ, record producer, remixer, engineer and live performer whose work has captured the attention and admiration of audiences worldwide. Jan Kinchel's journey through music is as diverse as it is inspiring. From the early days navigating the vibrant clubs scene in Zagreb to becoming a pivotal figure in Croatia's music scene, Jan's dedication to his craft and his unique blend of house, techno and jazz have earned him a well-deserved reputation as one of the most intriguing voices in the industry. His album, In Plain Sight, recorded with French keyboard player Regis Caddy, not only received critical acclaim, but also garnered support from renowned artists like Laurent Garnier, Derek Carter, and Jazzanova, just to name a few. With each release, Jan Kinjil continues to push boundaries, seamlessly weaving together elements of tradition and innovation to create music that resonates deeply with listeners around the globe. But Jan's contribution extends beyond the studio and the stage. As a lecturer on the history of electronic music at the United Pop Academy and founder of Cycle, a studio and music production company, he remains deeply committed to sharing his knowledge and passion with the next generation of artists. Today, we have the privilege of diving into Jan Kendall's creative process, his influences, and his vision for the future of electronic music. So without further ado, let's welcome Jan Kinchel to the Decisive Podcast Series, episode number 93. Jan, him and hey, I, we go back a little bit, I guess. Jan, we known each other for what? At least of each other for the last 10 years. Oh, more, 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 more. Because I, cause I knew about you from Ivan and Pero. Oh, yeah, Pero, too. Mm-hmm. So I knew of you at least since 20 years ago. At least. At least. At least. Have you yeah. heard from Pero? Yes, yes. We speak every now and then. I think we spoke like last week because um, we have this this record that should come out. One of my tracks, one of his tracks and some remixes. So we just spoke last week. Is, and, is he okay? Uh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. He's okay. okay. He's kicking it. He, he, you know, he's teaching IT. Pero became a professor, so now he's a professor. Pero, what I appreciate and respect a lot is how uh, he managed to transition to the next phase of his life mm-hmm. uh, in a very brave and I would say, oh, he's a proper worker. When he saw that some changes are about to happen, he said, "Okay, cool. Let's go back to college." Let's go back to college. Let's learn some new things. And and he became prolific in those new things and actually started teaching at the same university where he got the extra education. So I really respect that. I respect that too. Huh? And at his age as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a factor. It's, it's a factor. Bro, your journey in music has incredibly diverse house, techno, jazz, and more. Man, how do you navigate through this? different genres and incorporate them into your own unique sound what i shall i say first of all how you doing good my man good 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 i'm it's uh we spoken earlier a little bit about the weather it's i think you can see it's beautiful weather in Zagreb. um you know sun is shining and and i actually have the blinds a little bit down so it doesn't shine too much but i made the point on making my new studio very um like sunny natural light coming in huh and i can i can tell that you have the same situation yeah. behind you yeah 
And yeah, it's important. I just cannot do underground holes anymore. No? No, no. Like, because I mean, both you and me, I think, and many people who, who do music, you spend most of your day uh, in the studio. But by the time you're finished, it's dark. So I wanted to have some, uh, I wanted to have some, some daylight in my life. Mm -hmm. Man, again, you're, you're incredibly diverse in the uh, elements of house and, you know, techno and jazz. And how do you navigate through these different genres? Actually, and incorporate them into your unique sound as well. Yeah. It's uh, um, in my head, it's much easier to think of that as a one thing than to okay. try to separate them okay. violently because and I've had many discussions uh, about that throughout the years because mm. uh, the particular style of house music that I like and the particular style of techno music that I like and the particular style style of jazz and hip hop that I like. Um, I think of it because I, I hear it as a, is the same music because you know the same instruments are being played, uh, same machines are being used, same approaches. You know, chords are similar, harmonies are similar, the feel of the music is similar. Yeah, the the beat pattern can be different, or or like a, I don't know, techno can can kind of lean more onto a different side of doing that kind of sound but but for me it's all all the same thing and and all those best parties were always the ones where you would get all those flavors uh in the same night and i remember when i was very young it was one of the one of the formative uh parties well, and djs that i heard it was very early early on when i heard ditron the i think he's uh, Belgian or Swiss? Belgian, I think too. Yeah, he's ama he's amazing. He's very amazing. He knows how to put soul in this techno. Yeah, mm -hmm. and but listen, he was playing like techno and some really old, like you know, Earth people, um, you know, nineties <laughs> house, then techno, then some electro stuff, um, and then you know, DJ Bone who was doing the same thing, Great. and then uh, Loren Garnier, you know, all those guys, and that that approach. Jay Dinner. What, what? Jay Denham? Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Uh, that approach felt immediately natural to me in comparison to in comparison to the approach where you have, let's say, two, three hours uh, long set with many kind of similar similar vibe tracks and you create a certain flow. I, I respect DJs who do that. I respect them a lot. And and there's a unique skill to that. It's it's not easy. Like to do that properly, it's not easy. Uh, it's just something that never felt natural to me. Uh, so, you know, when I heard all these guys and then Theo Parrish afterwards and, and, and you know, you realized, oh, so there is a way to have all those things fitting in the in the same kind of you know in the same uh, shelf right uh, uh, then Very I cohesive, became a little huh? free in doing it so you know mm -hmm. wow. so yeah in my mind it's just it's it's the same thing just different different you know rhythms different tempos but just the one, one one same vibe and then when you look at it like that it's easy to just to get back to your question it's easy to make a song and then think okay cool so we're gonna do this one like a house tune or a techno tune or we're gonna do it like let's let's do some like boom bap drums so we can do the same thing in a hip-hop because you know song is a song and you can dress it in any of these kind of flavors mm -hmm. and it's still gonna be the same song so that kind of that kind of thinking stayed with me and then that's why it's easy to navigate uh i mean those, those different artists that you named are masters at their craft and um to produce in such a way is so much rhythmic and soul and you know not a tiki tacky kind of arrangement um this takes a lot of musicianship um and a lot of training uh on some maybe i don't know if you were musically trained at all to achieve no these such um such great arrangements great um, feel for rhythm like you said and and different uh, um, beat signatures and time signatures is that 
part of this kind of unique sound that's incorporated into what you do? I think it is. I was never musically trained. Most of the songs, actually on all of my tracks where you hear a prolific keyboard playing, that's not me. I've worked with Regis Cartier, we did some records before. <clears throat> uh, Regis is a very, very skilled keyboard player uh, in, in his own particular venue. Uh, right now, uh, Samuel Marlon Mahoney, Ishfag. Uh, he's Irish, Irish man living, living in Zagreb. And he's a very much, because Regis and me, we were we worked well because we had different ideas we had different ideas and then we we were able to, uh, we were able to you know gel it together but we had some differences in what we considered this and that ishveg is a much more kindred spirit um, in a way that we were brought up on you know all the you know for us jazz is some similar artists hip hop is some we were brought up through same music so we're kind of closer in that thing, but regarding keys, I've always have had somebody who would, you know, maybe take my ideas and make them a little bit better, just because that's what that's what those people do. Um, but all the other, so I'm a geek in a way, and I'm a student. Um, I'm I'm really a student of all these genres, uh, and I do believe that techno music house music mu music music it's it's half art and it's half science and i don't think you you can have really one without the other because if you look at all the greats which in no in no way i'm i'm you know comparing myself to them but you can learn from them uh, respect your honesty the man they would they would learn from the best examples of what they want to do and they would dissect it and I, I heard this Theo Parrish interview years back where when he would say that he would, you know, take a tune that he likes, uh, he would tear it apart, you know, try to play the chords, the bass, mm -hmm. the drums. Mm -hmm. And I do literally the same thing. It's nothing very kind of, you know, subtle or intelligent. It's just basic. Like, I like this track. Let me tear it apart and see how far I can go. Occasionally, I might come quite far more oftenly i wouldn't i wouldn't come far but i would reach some conclusions <laughs> and i would learn something you know um, Me too. i'm like that too when you're, not, when you're not a day-to-day -day musician you know musicians singers uh they do what they do minimum five hours a day yeah yeah Four or five hours a day so um and i understand i understand what you mean by that because it's the same i have the same i have a list of guys that i know when i actually need somebody really making it happen i mean you know uh you have someone you can call and that's wonderful uh also production um process is also kind of fun when you have learned something from musicians right and they learn something from you as well it's that was my biggest learning curve since i started working with regis and we had some projects with with uh, some other jazz musicians some like uh, you know trumpet flugelhorn players sometimes they flutes. overdo it <laughs> yeah 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 and it, it's it's a skill also to come from uh, you know from our side of things and to try to communicate something to a room full of jazz guys and they look at you like what's this boy talking like uh, so you do feel you do feel stupid first couple of times, but then you kind of build a muscle. You learn a little bit, and you learn how to express your ideas in 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 your know, musical terms. But what's what I really like with uh, Ishveg, and he's now he's a. Uh, um, we just had our, our our live show, our new the new version of our live show three days ago on Saturday. He's an inter integral part of my live show now. Um, what's great with him is. He's such a brilliant musician and producer in his own right, and he's too talented. I call him Zlatne Ruke, which means golden hands. Exactly. exactly. So I was like, no, can you, do you have some magic for me? Come, I need some magic. Uh, he's like beyond brilliant. And when we, it, it depends, like when we do, we just, because we just did this whole album for this brilliantly talented uh, female singer. What's, and, what's her name? Uh, uh, Malike. Malike. Mm -hmm. Malike. Yeah. Props so, to Malike. Like, shout out to Malike. Shout out to Malike. She has a voice like Erika Badu. It, it, it's oh beautiful. Oh my God. And, uh, but but it, 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 it differs. Like when we do things like, you know, 50-50, then, you know, we bounce ideas. 
occasionally I would be like, listen, man, I have this track, I have these ideas, come, come play. And then he would come, he would play, and I would literally jump on him like this, that, this, da, 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 da. We were, we would kind of build a Frank, he would play some Frankenstein stuff. Ultimately, and that's the best thing about him, he would give you just a bunch of little tidbits, you know? Right. And he never gives you, if if he plays for you, like, you know, for your track, he gives you a bu bunch of tidbits. And I know his mentality by now. His mentality is like, I'm just going to give you a little bit this and that. And then you do what you need to do because it's your track. Oh, right. Uh, and then, you know, you cut like one note here, two notes here, you connect it. <sighs> so he allows you to still be the guy who builds the track. He doesn't give you the full solution. To and be then involved, like, yeah. To, to, to yeah. achieve to achieve what you're hearing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bro. And, uh, Go ahead, I'm sorry. You didn't no, finish. no, and then it just, you know, it's it's a thing of a feel, I think, because you've also been DJing for hundreds of years. Uh, it's You've listened to so much music, and then you just, because I don't like to think too much about it. I just like to follow the feel. If it feels right, it's cool. So if it doesn't, I'm going to fuck with it and I'm going to do whatever it, until it starts clicking in an interesting way. And then when it's clicking, then I'm cool. And through the years, you develop many venues of how to try and push it to click. Okay. You try and, and it clicks. Bro, congratulations on your debut album. This debut album is called In Plain Sight. It has received wide uh, spread acclaim and support from industry heavyweights. Bro, can you tell us about the inspiration behind the record and the creative process involved in bringing um, bringing it to life, shall I say? Yeah. Mm, I can, of course. Uh, that, that was a wild era because it was just right around the time when I was thinking, I was playing live and I wasn't happy with how it sounded because of all the people we mentioned. You know, you grow up looking at Laurent Garnier doing his unreasonable behavior live. You look at all those cats, you know, having like techno or house stuff, but then, you know, live keys, live this, live that. So, you know, just playing, just playing live on my own, it didn't feel right. And then I started searching for who might be an appropriate partner. Regis uh, was living in town, he still is, shout out to Reggie, uh, he's still living very close here. Hook up with him and we started jamming a little bit on it. The thing is, I had most of those tracks, uh, I had most, no, let's say I had half, I had half, uh, he would play a little bit on it, I would then cut the midis, I would play around it, I would move. Uh, we did a couple of tracks, you know, from scratch together. Then, you know, he would leave me with parts and I would, you know, finish it and arrange it and, and turn it into a track. There was a track on the B-side, the last one, how how Quentin got his jazz back. He wrote that one. He he wrote that one. It's a, it's a jazz trio composition and he he made that one it was a very naive process i'll be honest it it was like hey let's try this let's try that let's do this let's do that mm, it works i had little knowledge on how to let's say properly do it uh and that's why i think i really still like many of those uh tracks because i can hear the mistakes and i can hear some naive things and luckily when when it came out it it got uh received very well uh you know globally it got received very from you know detroit to japan to africa to uh to wherever and um, were, you, were you surprised with this response that you were getting i was i was were you, uh, it was that was it must have been exciting huh what you what was your feeling like what were you um i was just very grateful because we were really you know a shot in the dark we were just trying things and when we ended it since i didn't have much experience in in that format at that point uh i think we kind of we, we were burned a little bit by the end of the album and I need to mention Igor Fabris, he was, we were mixing it in his studio and he was instrumental into shaping the sound of the album. And by that point, him and me were, you know, eight, ten, day, ten hours a day in the studio, uh, completely burned out. 
because we've been listening to it for such a long time and then it's finished and you you're not sure like is it really cool is it not cool is it this but you just need to let it out and let then it go. When you start seeing that <laughs> yeah, all the guys go, yeah. we mentioned you know Lorraine Garnier then I don't know uh, you know Kyoto Jazz Massive from from that side then you know Gene wow. Hunt Kai Alse you know somebody sends you a recording nice of, Kai Alse playing in, I think in Paris, in, in June club, and you know, starting starting the set with, with you know, with the, with the first track of the record, and it's, uh, it's, it's flattering, and it's satisfying to a degree where, um, you know, all these, all these guys whose music you are playing are basically now saying, okay, this what you did is cool enough for me to play it, so, you know, welcome. Uh, it, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Must be, man. Congratulations to you on that. And that must be a, a, a confidence booster as well, huh? It was. It was. It was. Uh, but you know, it, it makes you rethink what you did and try to okay, let's you know, let's uh, kind of enrich it. Let's make it a little bit more, more better or more prolific in whatever uh, way you want it to be. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a win. Give you confidence uh, and motivation to just. Should I say it be better or see what see how far you can take it, huh? See how far you can take it, of course. And we we took it to some directions in, in some recordings, uh, some um, some some releases afterwards. We tried to take it in many directions. Some were more successful than the others, uh, but but it was it was very yeah inspiring to get that kind of feedback on the album and still now i just we spoke about it a little bit on the on the on instagram i just finished a tour in south africa and it's interesting to come uh, to somebody's house and fa- find the album and you know how people being like hey we really listen to this we like this we play this it's um it's, it's just wonderful mm-hmm. to see that and what do you take out of these type of uh, accolades when it comes to this particular music. This music is, like I said, you know, it's not just some tracky stuff. It's really musical. And do you try to expand on that? Do you do you have you think you found your niche? And you know what I mean? Do you think that you have to be all over the place, or do you want to master what your fans or your you know the people that are telling you, hey man, you know? And you get a chance to work with these people, um, Gene Hunt, and you know, I mean, that's something to you know continue on and to and perfect, huh? I tried both, um, kind of forcing okay. a certain way because it worked on the previous record. It never gave me good results, and I I tried, and I just had I just had a really nice record. Uh, I I started my own label uh, cycle. And there's a track on the flip side, on the B side. Uh, it's it's called like a, for a for a second cycle dub. It's something which I wanted to do for a long time. I wanted to do like a, like jazz chords, heavy, but club song, like club song, club song, which you play it, and you know the club explodes, but not in a you know vulgar way, but in a very kind of subtle. In your way, yeah, I, I understand. I feel I managed to do it with that particular track. And then, of course, my my thinking was cool. I managed to do it like that, and I really need more tracks like like that, you know, for my DJ sets. And I tried to replicate it, and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I realized, you know what? Like when it happens and it's good, cool. Like I need to leave it at that and jump on something else where you know where your brain leads you. Uh, so my mentality now is, I'm gonna do whatever at that point feels good. Uh, I might try many different things, but I'm gonna see. Okay, so because I'm I'm doing a remix now for Ivan, um, and he he did this kind of a techno track, and I took it all the way down into some like the, the dub with jazz chords and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I if I'm answering your question correctly. Uh, but with the previous releases, the most I can do now, realistically, is I analyze what didn't work. Okay. Because on the on the example of the album, uh, the album I, I love the album. I love the album. But what I don't like right now about it is uh, how it doesn't translate so well in a club environment. 
Yeah, but it's an album. True, true. But you know, I'm a DJ, and and I wanted it to translate in the club okay. environment, uh, not in a way that I would change the music, but there. You know, there's a particular skill of making a track good, but then making that same track work well in the club. Functionable. Uh, DJ friendly, or? Uh, you know, DJ friendly, but also how to shape it so it's so it's not just a um, you know cool, interesting album track, but something which is you know like solid in many dimensions. So mm-hmm. every time I do something, mm-hmm. I let it be for a little while. Then I try to analyze it and see, okay, so this was good. This didn't really work when I play it. These things don't like, because when you listen to all those masters, like masters from, you know, Ron Trent to Theo Parrish. I mean, Theo Parrish, listen, his music is all over the place. It's, it's, uh, it's everything. It, it, like his music is his own language, but there's so much skill in crafting those arrangements that when you play it, like I was tearing it up with some of his weirder tracks in South Africa. Exactly, exactly. And and there's okay. a big, big, big skill. And you know, it's it's you know he's standing on shoulders of of long experience. So that's like old tracks, analyze and see if you can do the new tracks so they work better for you know for DJs, but also for home listening. You've um, worked with a multitude of labels and artists throughout your career. Um, how have these collaborations influenced your approach in making music? Um, I would I would also dissect them. So you mentioned Gene Hunt some some uh, some time ago. There was also this Kai Alse remix. I would I would dissect what these guys would do uh, to my music because mm-hmm. they're the masters. You know, mm-hmm. Gene is the master, mm-hmm. Kai is a master. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Javonte uh, is, is is the master. They all, they're all masters of their craft, and so I would just listen, 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 see how they did it, what they did. Uh, so I just got this new remix for Cycle uh, Two. We have this guy, maybe you know him, because um, he's had some nice records uh, in this past few years. Andrei Lasic, he's from Croatia, um, and he's a, he's a good buddy of mine. He he lives. You know, a few hours from Zagreb on the coast, on the northern coast of Croatia, um, and he has this track called "Rising Soul." So, like, I did a remix for it. It's an old track. It's a, like it's an old track. I think he did it maybe in 20 minutes, uh, and that's still one of my favorite tracks of his. So that's going to be cycle number two. But we gave it to, you know, Kazuki uh, Kez YM. He's a he's a Japanese uh, house producer okay. from Chiba. Okay. He lives in Berlin now. He had he had many releases on you know all the all the you know important house labels. He at some point he was we joke about it. He was called the Japanese Moody Man. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I and it's a uh, mm-hmm. you know it is a joke, but it's a deserved title because the remix he sent uh, for for Andre's track is proper you know road solos throughout the whole song very like very skillfully done so with all those you know connections that happen you know every time you know you you touch space with with one of these guys you influenced uh, by something huh? yeah i just try to learn from it and kai i mean kai knows i've dissect, dissected half of his catalog and i still cannot get the there's this drum pattern on digital love record for me the drum pattern on digit i mean the, the track is one of the most beautiful house records ever but the drum pattern is one of the like the sexiest house drums ever so shout out to kai he killed it on that that you know, killed it so these collaborations are they strategically collected in in a way that you feel musically you know for your musical progression are these collaborations perfectly are perfect fits yes yes it's it's always strategic uh and it's always but it's not strategic in a way um how you know people might do it you know let's see who's popular who has more followers on instagram tiktok or whatever no i meant it i meant it basically organically you know yes yes it's 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 strategic in a way like okay so these are the people whose music I play a lot and I want to see what they're going to do with my music so I can, you know, learn from that and so I can kind of, you know, so the, yeah, it's very strategic in that regard. I can care less what other people think. I mean, the question 
and hoping that the answer that I was about to get was how that how they just fits. You know, you find these pieces of the puzzle that come together and organically, you know, you you go out, you hear something, you hear somebody there and you really love their art and they you are able to put together a, another body of work that's uh, just kind of grows, help you to grow as a musician organically with others. That's that's some people are not open like that. Some people don't really, you know, understand it. There's a thing with with remixes, uh, and I've grown to enjoy uh, that that part of it. Is so you give your track to some of these really, you know, uh, seasoned guys and and producers, and you you always have an idea of what you want back. You always have an idea, and usually what you have in mind is your favorite track from them. You want that. You never get that. <laughs> nope. You get you get where they're at at that particular time. <laughs> so you better catch them yeah. at the time, you know, catch them at the right yeah. time, right? Yeah, yeah. And I've grown to enjoy it so much because it's unexpected. It's you don't know what you're going to get and but you always get, get something good and even if at the time you get something and you're not sure like I remember which remix was it? Ah, Alton Miller. Alton Miller did the remix. Oh my God, Alton Miller! <laughs> you don't question his, you don't question his ability to 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 produce or to you know give you the goods. Man, but maybe he's having this kind of a day where he just goes, Hey, look, I'm just gonna do this real quick, get this, knock this out, and not put like a few days in and say, Hey, look, let me give this guy, let me give this guy the bomb shit right here. You can you can feel the difference between those types of moments or moods that they're in. Listen, man, he gave me the bomb. Like he, but like he gave me the bomb, which was so different to you know all of my favorite records of his. I was like, like wow, like I love this. I love this. Like what did I expect? And then it took me. It was just before the summer, and I was playing the remix. I actually don't even play my own track from that record. I just play his remix because, like for me, I automatically flip it to his remix and play it, that I've, I've grown to kind of love it for the new, the thing it is, because it's basically like a new track. And then when I heard all of his new stuff, which came out after I realized, okay, so that's that's the thing where he's in. And good thing I actually just remembered, I haven't played it now in a, in, in a few months and I should, I should take it out, Killer Rim. I'm glad I'm talking to you because some of these uh, people I've actually forgot about and I really love them as artists and I can, I'm really looking forward to Yvonne and your remixes and stuff coming up because I love you guys. Man, your dedication to teaching at the history, I mean, at the history of electronic music at the, uh, U, what is it, United Pop-Up Academy? U United Pop. United Pop Academy is very Pop, commendable. Yeah. Pop is very yeah. commendable, man. Um, what is what inspired you to take uh, on this role and what do you hope students take away from your lectures well i i've had a little little kind of run-ins with teaching uh i think it's just because when i was younger i kind of thought i was smart so you know let me let me show you something <laughs> but then through time it turned into this friend of mine who opened first he opened um emmy Emmy Academy uh, and Emmy turned into United Pop and it turned into something kind of solid and regular. Actually, today I have class uh, and I've been touching on many uh, courses there. So history of electronic music is something I begin with. So now I have this it's Wednesdays uh, full um, like electronic music production uh, class, which I enjoy very much because at this point, I, I have enough experience uh, that I feel I can present, I can approach a certain topic in a way like, listen, all this garbage, don't need it, don't need it. Let's keep it simple and let's see how we can make a track work. You know, uh, uh, let's just let's just jump to the thing that you will actually be doing. Let's build the muscles that you actually will be uh, needing. Uh, and it's very rewarding when the year ends and you hear those uh, final projects 
And some of those are very elaborate and very evolved and, you know, something which I couldn't, I couldn't do. I couldn't do it. And it's, it's, and also you get to snatch the new people from the source who works here at the studio. I snatched him from that school. He was, he was my favorite in the generation. And, you know, it's being with young people, uh, not that we are old, but let's say we are mature. Uh, but you know, being with with you know young kids, 18, 19, it kind of keeps you on your toes because they don't really care about what you did 10 years ago or two years ago. Like they they want to <laughs> see how you move in this new new environment and like is your brain up to it. So it's uh, I think I think somebody in this scene in this job should have a very firm you know foot uh, constantly in the room with the young people. That's I've gained a lot from it. That's good to hear. That's good here. So you work, you like working with the young people, uh huh? And I do. And passing on knowledge to the next generation, but also to learn, to learn because it's very easy to get you know tripped into the ah, uh, it's you know all this new new stuff is bullshit, like the way it was back in the day, and you know we we can all go back to Stevie Wonder, you know, when you when you're really in what these young kids are doing and and you start to see the talent in that that kind of keeps you having the it keeps you it keeps your mind open to kind of understand what's really good and new in all these new genres and languages you don't need to do it but you just need to have awareness of it and you need to see how it moves so you can learn a lot from these young kids oh yeah they have no fear right no fear man yeah they have no fear they you know they like they said, okay, dinosaur, step aside. Let me show you what's going on now. And they will actually tell you that verbatim. Wow. <laughs> they would they would tell you like, listen, you and your dinosaur music, deep house, '80s stuff. Like we don't care about that. We need some, you know, like show us that. You're like, okay, okay, okay. Okay, all right. Bring a dinosaur. I'm gonna grade your final test, boy. Who are you calling a dinosaur? Exactly. Let's talk about this uh, 20 years from now and see if what you're talking about now has holds weight. Yes. Well, that's a good comeback to them. But you know, young people need to have that energy because if if they don't, they're not gonna move and change things. So I, I like when when people are cocky and they kind of you know show me like, listen, this is the 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 the, the enthusiasm and, and 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 the passion they have to you know push the bar it's great as the founder of cycle a studio and musical produ uh, production company you've played a pivotal role in nurturing emerging talent what advice would you have for inspiring aspiring producers and djs looking to break into the industry uh think long term think long term uh because this is i mean you've been at it for a while i've been at it now for a while even's been at it like everybody who you see doing something has been doing this for a while it's a long-term game especially if you're in it for the music of course we all need to pay bills um but i think only long-term plan and long-term approach will enable you to live in this industry and to enable you to pay your bills even in your old age because what I miss in many of these conversations is uh, what happens to DJs and producers who had a little moment to shine, maybe 10, 15 years, but then the moment is gone, but you still, they still need to pay bills. Uh, and I don't think that's discussed enough. Yeah, because there's many people who I know you and me, we have all, the, all their records, we respect them more than, you know, our parents. Um, but some of those people really cannot pay their bills now. So I, I always tell to these young, young, you know, boys and girls, like, think strategic. Think, think how to build your structure so it enables you to have multiple income streams uh, in a way that also builds on your main thing, which is being creative and making music and i uh i try to do that also by giving example because that's what that's what i did here with the studio my idea was when covid hit the idea was i'm not gonna ever let something like this affect my income in a substantial way in a substantial way because if you rely on gigs then 
something like that happens, a global shock happens, and of course, DJs are not the most important creatures, uh, and it's not the most important uh, profession on the planet. It's gonna get cut down. Um, but you still need to eat, you still need to pay your bills. Uh, so I was thinking, okay, I have, I have this studio, I have this gear, I have this knowledge, let me see if I can make a structure so I offer that knowledge and skill and gear Let's open it up to other people and develop that stream of income, um, which enables me to A, uh, function when the whole world is tackling more important things, um, and B, is enabling me to be cool and calm even when the music you are making at the moment is not the most hyped music. and. You know the music I've been making. It's it's never going to be a hype music, and I'm, I actually prefer it that way. Um, but I prefer the feeling of cool. My bills are paid. You know, my fridge is cool. I can I can I can do whatever I want to do, and I can still wake up in the morning and be calm and kind of you know make music and invest in music. And the studio enables me to do it. Of course, it has a price. It has a price that your whole day of just working on your own music is not there anymore. Uh, which which is a negative thing only on the surface. Once you dig into it, you realize, at least in, in my case, I'm cool with two three, two, three hours per day, man. It's even too much. Two hours max per day to do my own stuff, enough. And then the rest of the days, you know, clients, musicians. Um, I, I had this brilliant guy, Lovra. He's he's actually in the other room uh, working on something. I hired him. He came here. I think uh, it's gonna be two years in a month or two. It's gonna be two years. So we've managed to build this commercial, like professional commercial studio. Uh, we do a bunch of advertising stuff for big clients, and that enables us to then take some musical clients and give them maybe a better rate if we really believe in their music you know you take uh, 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 you take more money from those big companies of course those are bigger bigger budget projects and then also with those budgets I can say okay I need something I need I need a piece of gear from the studio I can easily get it because I know it's not just gonna be for you know maybe two or three tracks it's also gonna be for uh, it's gonna make some money. So that kind of structure uh, works for me very well. Uh, so I try to, you know, give them, okay, this is my structure. Maybe, you know, you think of how you can build your own structure so you're creatively independent. Because uh, these genres and, you know, hype of the month, it changes very rapidly. And I don't envy uh, those, those you know, musicians, DJs, producers who are at the cutting edge of, let's say, the most popular genre now. Because you need to be on your toes exponentially higher. Exactly. You know, we can we can be a little bit more relaxed because you know you 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 have your lane, you have your language, you have your thing, how you do it, and you develop it internally. But these, yeah, these, these guys, they need to move with the times quickly. I mean, we we did that back in the day, but I I agree with you. As you, one of the most fortunate things you've said also as well um, is that you. Having your studio, you're still engulfed in the thing that you love and you have the passion for, and that's music, technology, and so you have a good... So I always knew from my experience in dance, my experience in, you know, DJing over the years, I always knew that there comes a pinnacle and there comes a, a, a point where things are not as... Uh, elaborate as they were and you need and you find I find that anything that I have to do with music is really okay it doesn't have to be production you doing you're satisfying clients with you know and you're still doing the thing that you love and it's still that it still stemmed from me loving music that's still part of what of who I am and that's because of music it was never too much more it wasn't really okay if I was a trained musician and I was playing and studying and playing five hours a day, I might have a different, we might have to talk about this a little bit differently. Yes. But to add, to add on to what you said is, 
I think that now with all these things uh, happening, I think I'm more, uh, you know, I'm more, uh, let's say music is an ocean. Like I'm deeper in that ocean that I, than I've ever been, ever, ever, ever. Uh, because there's, uh, there's a thing where you do what you do, of course. But there's a very different thing when somebody comes to you and say, listen, I need to do, so we have clients who, for who we produce, uh, we produce their EP, whatever, they're a musician, but we produce it. When they tell you, listen, I need, I need you to help me uh, make this piece of music on, in my way, but you need to help me make it better. And that sharpens your creative brain in a way like, let's see, how we can make this for you. So it's more you than you. And and it, it builds an arsenal of tools and techniques, uh, which then directly uh, build the quality of your own music, because it challenges you. There was this, there was this really cool TV ad we had with uh, Diesel, and they wanted to do things in a very particular way, uh, where let's say every, you know, sound that would come into the in, in which you would see had to stay in the track in the musical way and when i was when i was doing it i realized oh okay this sounds a little bit like matthew herbert bodily functions i learned okay so that's ah that's how it was done cool i can incorporate it in something else there was this other very fun project where like friends of ours i i know the guy for years they had this for a uh, like a kickboxing uh he was in a team head and they needed some music and they had some uh, some uh, references and i was like listen i understand the references but instead of having some minimal house thing let's let's do something which is you know like um Nitzereb, skinny puppy you know like ebm like proper <laughs> like some because it's that music screams aggression yeah and like Let's do it. So, you know, like, when would I be able to do like a Nizza rap kind of tune just on my own time? So it's, uh, I'm enjoying it so much. And then you get, you know, two, three hours of your own stuff and you're, you know, charged with, with, with uh, all those new ideas. More, yeah, inspiration, exactly. It's better than ever, man. I'm enjoying it more than I ever did. Your um, latest release for a minute features yes. original tracks for, alongside Chicago Gene Hunt. Are we uh, Gene Hunt and the inspiration behind the project? How does this um, represent you, uh, your evolution as an artist? So the for a minute EP, it's it's an EP, but let's say it's it's two tracks. It was a uh, two sides of one thing in my in my mind. So one like it, it was i was playing on the idea how you know for a minute or for a second a certain thing a certain feeling or a person or a moment or a situation might might just last for a second or for a minute but it might have a much longer effect uh that was the idea behind the title and behind how the compositions were were you know developed and it was uh i remember the a side was uh i was playing on the idea of how night and day uh produce very different energies in the studio and i was trying out the the uh, the, the technique that technique that the approach of i would just go in the evening and just play around with machines without any aim or goal right uh, and that would be like night and i would try to do the same thing during the daytime and the results would be much different nighttime would be more free more open more unpredictable daytime would be more controlled analytic and you know uh and so a side is nighttime a side was pure nighttime result i remember i was i was in that room i was playing those strings on on korg ms2000 uh, and uh, one of the chord samples is so I hope Mr. Marvin Gaye is not going to sue me, but my 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 uh, my good friend Mattia just gave me a copy of In Our Lifetime album, and there was on the end of one of the tracks is just this one like Rhodes little kind of messy part, and I was like shit that's cool let's just put it in the MPC and there's nothing like no strategy. Boom, play with the chord. Then I took the Korg MS 2000, played some chords on it, did a quick beat. Just, it was, I think it was a one hour, one hour thing. Boom, saved it in the morning, listened to it. 
cool. This could be something. The B-side uh, was a very different thing. B-side was strategic. It was, I want to make a particular kind of track for a particular moment in the night, but have it not being the obvious, you know, not 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 build it in a way that it bangs with all the obvious ways. Like it needs to bang, but it still needs to be subdued and kind of, you know, jazz chord and stuff. So B-side was, I had many iterations, many versions, many, you know, tested in the club, go back. Well, A-side was, you know, blunted out, something, something, boom. And and I'm I'm extremely happy with how the record came out. I'm extremely and Gene Hunt did a brilliant remix, which is kind of perfectly between the one approach and the second approach. It it sits so beautifully in between. Uh, that yeah, I'm I'm very proud of that I can't, record. I can't wait to include some of your stuff and looking forward to cycle in my uh, new upcoming um, radio podcast with myself. I'm gonna do it's called um, Junk in the Trunk. And um, I decided that I'm going to do something that a lot of my friends and people that I care about and that I really haven't had a chance to play their music and sending me promos, I'm going to be able to uh, talk about them and talk about how music actually has influenced me and how much how much it's um, given me, uh, shown me something about myself. Um, and something that no one can take away from you. You know, if you, you know, you really have, you really see the value and how it kind of just keeps you, regardless of uh, where you are in the the world of music or what uh, where you are um, uh, uh, successful wise. You have, I have this goal and passion to not give up on this, on me, and on what I love so much. So I'm like, I'm gonna be able to share some of the experiences I've had over my life being, you know, um, a DJ and dancer and choreographer and, you know, and a lot, a lot of these things and how music has shaped me in a certain way and what artists have done that. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. That's starting in, oh. in April, yeah. So that's going to be really nice. Okay, I'm gonna follow up on that. I'll need to check to see what, what you're going to play and what you're going to do. A lot of the stuff is stuff that I have to really dig deep about because a lot of it, it's you would never expect. I, actually, I would because the length of so your music life is is substantial so i would expect it to go all over the place oh oh yeah it, it, will. it will i would expect it to be you know thank you for saying that hey um looking ahead what is your aspirations for the future of electronic music both personally and within yeah within the broader uh spectrum of music of the music industry personally just just to keep evolving on on what i found like the, the the approach and the sound i found just to keep evolving it in a way that still works for me that would be cool like for me that's enough uh and it's just this past few weeks the sessions i've had this past few weeks and and you know the thing i did today is just uh it's going in that direction so i couldn't wish for anything more so you know just the evol evolution of, of of what's here and making it more my own in a way but i would also wish that same thing if we're you know looking at the the, the electronic music scene in, in total the you know putting tastes or what we like or dislike aside the only negative trend that i'm seeing is this uniformation of of genres and approaches which which seems counterintuitive because we we have so many tools we have so many tools now much more than when you started producing or when like we have incredible tools in our laptops uh, so the possibilities are endless and yet more and more music uh, musical genres which are gaining a lot of popularity seem to be following a very rigid path um, and it seems like if an electronic music is a language and i truly believe it is it's a language and it's a it's a language with an infinite vocabulary um, 
which needs to be developed in many ways. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm doing it in any substantial way, but I'm doing it in a micro way. And I'm trying to do things in my own particular way, whether it works or not. But if more people would do it in that way, I think we would have a much bigger vocabulary um, because it's, it's uh, strange that we still, and I know you do it too, we still uh, gather most inspiration from the earliest days because vocabulary was so wide then and now it seems like you know the the popular electronic music is just we're you know we're done to a few syllables and a few words and everybody's repeating the same words uh which is nothing wrong with those words but let's you know let's have let's have a different approaches to those words so that that would be my wish just to you know go back a little bit you know a step back and uh see if we can not follow the same safe tried and tested path of what maybe you think the people or the big dance floors would wish to hear but maybe just follow some internal path with okay with the knowledge of the big uh, the, the, the global path but just follow some internal path and see if that can lead to some some more interesting music uh, being made in the future within this domain of, you know, electronic music, which is huge domain. Interesting. Tell everyone about your lovely house mix for the Decisive uh, Podcast episode 93. Uh, where was it recorded? In the studio. I wanted to go very kind of slow, organic, you know, some, some of my favorites records, which are very low key. Like uh, if I would tell you there's this, I think it's first or the second, or I'm not really sure. There's this Frederick Galliano record. Uh, he did he did an album for F Communications for, for uh, a Lorenz label. Uh, and I've had this record for ages. It's called Frederick Galliano and the African Divas. And there's this, like very kind of roads heavy track which is timeless timeless so you know i try to lean on things like that and and i think i even played i think i even played the kes ym remix for cycle two i think it's on the mix second or third track if i remember correctly a little bit of a exclusive there i try to keep it very organic very jazz very you know soulful i know you like it that way so i like what it is that you do i mean that's your approach jan thank you so much once again for sharing your insights and experience with us today it's been exciting um we're honored to have you on the decisive podcast series and we can't wait to hear more about your journey Thanks so much for uh, joining me today, and uh, we look forward to hearing some more from you in the future. Let me just say, Roberto, thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for you know continuously contacting me uh, and trying to do something. I Maybe I reply in a quick manner because I'm in the middle of something, but I really do appreciate the effort and the space that you give to you know myself and to people like myself it's really uh needed and it's really valuable so you know thank you thank you for doing this thank you for you know taking the time to prepare to do all this and and uh, i really appreciate it awesome appreciate you man thanks a lot maybe we can work together if you want if you need some podcasts man send some clients to me i got you i deal. got your back deal deal all right i'm looking forward and i will get i will get to editing and get to uh, get uh, get this podcast out and we talk to you soon looking forward to the remix thank you thank you and so people follow decisive don't skip an episode i will know if you skipped an episode and you will not get christmas presents santa will know <laughs> cool thanks a lot and luckily we ended just in time before zoom decides to shut off off we have exactly two minutes left yeah yeah, yeah. all right thanks a lot and we talk to you soon thank you Roberto. bye bye i'll let you i know you got a busy day no it's okay today's it's okay okay cool
your listeners an insightful conversation with the one and only Jan Kinchel. His passion for music, his dedication to his craft, and his unwavering commitment to innovation serves as a testament to the transformative power of electronic music. Join us next time for another episode of the Decisive Podcast series where we'll continue to explore the stories and sounds shaping the world of music today. And don't forget to head over to any podcast platform that you listen to your podcast and search for Decisive Podcast Series. I would love to hear from you. Your patronage is very important to me. I would like you to engage a lot more this year. I will be doing my best to give you the best content with the best people, whether they're famous or not, but their stories and their life journey and their support to what we do is very important. We want to hear from you. Until then, stay tuned and stay inspired. Peace.